Badges and Balls presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped and by DraftKings. New users in Massachusetts can use the code BBB and get up to $200 in bonus bets. Please wager responsibly. Uh, This is episode 123. Will and Jake here were joined by Clubfoot Jim, who is now, according to our archives, a six-time BBB guest. Clubfoot Jim, what a week it is for you. You see UConn get crowned the national championship in Houston. You had boots on the ground. You're here wearing your Final Four sweatshirt. But most important of all, you are now tied for first for most appearances on BBB. Yeah, that's quite an honor. Um, I was talking to Will before the show, and I thought it was I was uh, catching up to John Fanta, but apparently I've been on more than John Fanta. But his his presence uh, sort of weighs about you know six appearances. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know I was just I was just out there in Houston, and I'm now a national champion, and I, I you know I. It still seems surreal. When I was in NRG and, you know, seeing Dan Hurley go up there, cut down the nets and do his funny little things that our angry bald coach does. Um, it was just crazy being down there with friends and alumni. It was, it was an experience that's cemented in my memory forever. So very grateful to have been able to go there. Got to see the Astros. Got to see UConn win. Yep. Jim takes Houston. TikTok's blowing up for Clubfoot Jim. Take, TikTok, uh, yeah. You know, college baseball See. uh so recaps going on in there. Uh, yeah, we got uh, this Saturday. We got Yale, uh, Columbia at Yale. So, well, look out for that one. But yeah, you know, yeah. Have you just, been to the Yale Stadium before? I have not been for no. I've not been for baseball. Not been to Yale. Not what do they call that? The bowl? No, that's the football stadium. That's the football field. I think yeah. it's literally just yeah. Uh, oh, it's um, shit. It's not Reese Stadium either. I think it's just Yale Baseball Stadium. Yeah, very original, but all right. They're not cool. smart enough to get a sponsorship. Interesting. I guess not. No, but we're excited for that one. Um, I'm hoping by the end of this series that some team lets you throw the first pitch. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> I know. You get, and then it starts getting a fight. Like one team gives you a hat. The next yeah. team gives you a custom jersey. Ends up with the first pitch. And then maybe Yale will name the, the baseball stadium. The yeah. Clubfoot the the, 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 the Clubfoot club ballpark at James Moss Stadium. It has like to be that. the memorial. Yeah, I have to, I have to, yeah, yeah. For a, a nearly twenty-five-year-old healthy person, <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's kick the show off uh, as we always do. James, you have a beer. Yeah, I do. Um, to, to drink, and it's not a Bud Light. So, no, no. Awesome. Went a lo- <laughs> Look at how far you've come. It's not a Bud Light. Yeah, went a long way for this guy. Um, this is a this is a ha- uh, handcrafted local microbrewery ale. Um, a long trail um, <laughs> by a long trail brewing it's a, company. It's a very uh, paradoxical statement on the front there. <laughs> a, a, a microbrewery, a very obscure place that is so is... conveniently mass distributed in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, long trail, not nothing too, nothing too special. Just a good, a good solid Vermont beer. I would like to shout out um, St. Andrew's Brewing Company down in Houston. Um, one, one, a locally distributed beer down there and, uh, it was a very hot day that Monday of the national championship. I got into a restaurant. I co- they called it Moonshiners. Um, and one of the only drafts they had was St. Andrew's Kolsch. I had that nice 4.9% beer and it really hit the spot on a nice humid, 
humid day down there in Houston. So shout shout out St. Andrews Brewing Company. What do you you got to do the untapped rating here out of five? Oh boy, oh boy. Or both actually. Let's let's get your long trail rating and then let's get the St. Andrews Brewing Company. Long trail. I'm I'm gonna give a five out of five here. Um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, superb craftsmanship from this guy. But um, the Kolsch, I'll give. I'll give a, a strong three seven five. A strong. So three, cool. seven, I five. think what are our five beers? It's like just all treehouse, um, maybe a trillium beer and like and a and a nice long trail IPA. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> my my personal five out of fives are well now the long trail, um, <laughs> a Bud Light Lime, and and a Coors Light. BLLs are slept on. BLLs are BLLs. trash. <laughs> they, they bring me back. They bring me back to my my college prime. So Ugh. they get a five out of five just for that. Did you have, so I need to know. I won't shame you, but how many colches did you have before the game? Uh, I had one colch. Um, oh. I had then one. Um, what even was the second beer I had? Oh, it was a Crawford Bach. Um, another one of the local Houston beers, but they, they kind of get in tight with the Astros. So I didn't want to, you know, bring any Astros propaganda onto this podcast. Um, Thank you. And then uh, about seven to 10 Miller lights uh, at the pregame. So responsibly, responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything more than the other UConn fan would have done in that situation. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into your, your Yukon escapades, but the videos mm-hmm. of the students absolutely destroying stores. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that is, uh, man, they, they sucked when I went there. That was just awful. That was a terrible time to be a Yukon Husky. And just seeing the kids be able to knock down light posts and smash it into, um, glass doors. Um, they deserve every bit of that. Um, cause, cause I, I wish it was me. I was being honest. It was something are you like, okay with as a Connecticut taxpayer. Are you okay with the fact that you're going to have to pay for those repairs? Um, you know what? For, for, for this championship, I'll say sure. Uh, for the next <laughs> one, maybe not, but yeah. So, so only you only get one part of your lifetime that you're that the students who you pay the taxes for in Connecticut and I I think I still might too actually but yeah yeah you might yeah but you know I don't think I do but fuck it like I'm happy for them like should they have defaced their campus probably not but I also that's that's gonna be that is the conversation every every time there's a national championship and students are gonna do what they do and they're they're going to either climb the light posts or use them as battering ramps so (laughs) I mean that's your only team in the state if you really yeah. think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yellow goats are a good time, but yeah, you know, it's not, it's not like they're not at the highest level. And and they took the Hartford whalers away. So yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. Carolina, those bastards. I know the fuck. Um, yeah. yeah, but I guess it, you're right. It's no worse than Philadelphia, right? Like mm-hmm. do Philly fans know that they're going to have to pay the taxes to clean it up? Yeah. yeah. And they're far worse. They, they, I don't know. Maybe they should have greased the uh, the light posts and stores. 
they could have taken some better measures, I'm sure. I mean, everybody's seen the videos of of celebrating fans, you know, when their team has just won a championship. Philly's the best example of of just crazy fans going hard after a championship win. Um, but yeah, there could have been there could have been some some better measures taken, I'm sure. Yeah, but but who cares? They won. Yeah. Their, they won their title. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it throughout the show. Uh, Will, would you would you like to give us a beer? Yeah, I got a weird one. So I went to Pizza Marvin for the first time in Providence. Uh, saw a lot of buzz around the pizza, and, and to be honest, not a pizza podcast, but pizza is a top tier food. I think they might have the best pizza in the state. I finally found one that I'm confident and happy with returning. And they had a lot of good options. I unfortunately couldn't eat meat. Shout out Lent, shout out Catholicism on a Friday, but I had a nice three cheese pizza, but they had a great beer selection. And I grabbed this one. It was called Hydra Smoogee a la Mode. And it's from Mortalis Brewing Company um, in Avon, New York. So it was a pastry sour. So that's what caught my eye. And I'll read the description for you. Fruited sour uh, that blends strawberry, pineapple, coconut, and cream together uh, to form a monster of many heads. Keep your eyes peeled for even more flavor combinations. This contains dairy products. I had no idea what was going to come out of this can. It was a pink milkshake. It was a pink strawberry milkshake that went down like a smoothie and was 5%. I gave it a four out of five just for creativity and innovation because it wasn't as slushy like the frozy cup from long live. And it wasn't as like kettle sour or like sour milk as a combination of a sour with lactose kind of screams. I thought it was smooth, perfectly done. It was a breakfast beer. It was a dessert beer. It was a beer that, Hey, after a workout, I might just drink that instead of a protein shake. That's what it tasted like. (laughs) So four out of five for me. I was I was wildly impressed by this beer. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I actually I was having never... a conversation recently with one of my buddies about how kind of milkshake IPAs seem to be on the rise a little bit. You know, more and more of them popping up. Um, so that's interesting. I think they're back. There was a point a few years ago where everyone was making a milkshake IPA, and then no one was making a milkshake IPA, and maybe they're back. I don't know. Yeah. I I feel like it's honestly hard for breweries to fail if you're creative and make a good product yeah like it's at the point where it's like everyone does a new england ipa everyone does a stout everyone does a lager might as well just start doing some random stuff that people are like oh yeah like i know morales brewery they make a pink milkshake beer like that's how Mm -hmm. you people know you they're not going to know you for the 1 billion new england ipas that are never going to be as good as as treehouse Mm mm-hmm Weirdly enough, I feel like we've seen this enough, though. I feel like Rhode Island defies all of that because people go to specific breweries in Rhode Island because of a certain IPA they make that they know is not as good as something else. I don't know. That's my two cents. That's what, that's what I think. Um, so Milkshake IPA. Uh, I don't think I did this one yet. I went back in the archives and I could not find a record of me of me doing this. Um I know one of the last beers I reviewed was the PLL Pilsner from City State uh, Brewing Company in D.C. I'm actually going to do another D.C. one 
I went to the Capitals game while I was in DC and they have capital themed beer like mm-hmm. most teams are doing now. So I had Capitale. It's literally okay. capital with an E instead of an S. That sounds fancy. Spelling that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a hyphen in there too. Oh, wow. um, it's getting really freaky. Um, it was a very good IPA to drink at, at a hockey game. Like, you know, when you, you're at a sports event, you just want to drink something like light. You don't want to, you don't want to have a 20% beer and be like, Oh my God, I'm like stuffed. This was Mm -hmm. 7%. So I had my reservations, but I'm like, I have to get this. And it was, it was a great beer to drink at a game. Um, That being said, I think I, I probably had two and then I went for a smaller can that was red and it looked very similar, but uh, you know, and I'm like, Oh, what kind of beer is that? I paid for it. And he goes, "Uh, it's vodka and and fruit punch. I'm like, Oh, Oh. I guess, I guess we're having a hell of a Tuesday night here. So (laughs) uh, give me a three, five on this Capitale from devil's backbone brewing company in Virginia. Again, it's not going to blow you out of the water, but it was a good beer to drink at a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to start being more stringent about dishing out the higher grades for beers that are good, but you know, not like knock your socks off. So this gets a three, five, because if I see this again, if I go to another caps game, I'm going to have one and mm-hmm. I will have it with pride. Maybe two. That's that. I and feel then, like, uh, yeah. I feel like breweries and sports teams are now catching on to the, uh, the, you know, branded, craft beer you got to give a shout out to uh the the pinstripe pilsner i know from, um, from blue point because i feel like that was around before we were even legally allowed to drink it was i i think i had my first legal beer at yankee stadium and it was a pinstripe pills hmm. and that was like a well even i walked in there like you know a day into being 21 i'm like i want a pinstripe pills because i know what that is and that was before. That yeah, is, that's I think we're going to have to do like a Mount Rushmore of stadium beers at some point because Pinstripe Pills and Bill Blue Point Toasted Lager, both uh, two beers from Blue Point right at the top. Hmm. I would also say anything from Lord Hobo at Fenway makes that makes that cut because they make like really good drinkable IPAs at those games. Like the, or the 617 Pilsner too, I think is probably up there mm-hmm. at Fenway, but That'd be an interesting take if we ranked stadium beer. Did did you have a stadium beer at NRG Stadium? Uh, not not exclusive to NRG. No, um, I did have the the Cropperbach at uh, Minute Maid, um, which you know, kind of along the lines of the Pinstripe Pilsner, um, has has it's felt like it's been here for a while because I've seen the branding for a while. It's like that retro Astros uniform with the navy and orange stripes um sort of on the bottom of the can um just very recognizable branding that I, i've seen for quite a while now and it was good um it was a nice four and a half um percentage pilsner and goes down easy we you want easy drinking at a ballpark and yeah do the uh jets have anything of the mets because i know uh the pats now have the cisco partnership yeah i don't i don't think they do um I never at those stadiums when they played, I don't remember seeing anything that was specific to them. I could be wrong, but not to my knowledge. Interesting. So Stevie, you might, you might want to get on that. Yeah. 
He's got to get on winning first. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Narragansett as well, because this Mm. is a beer that I won't drink, but I have. Thank you, Will, for grabbing it for me. Pasta sauce, which has some of the best branding I think I've seen. As soon as David Posternock signed his eight year, 88 or uh, eight year and a lot of money extension. Mm -hmm. uh, They came out with pasta sauce as a beer. And so he will basically be a Bruin for the rest of his career. And they put a picture of a, I think it's a Ram shooting a hockey puck in Bruins colors. Um, cool. And I don't think I'm going to open it. The reviews are pretty good, but I think it means it has more sentimental value to me than anything. So shout out yeah. to Narragansett who also embraced something like that. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Been on the come up, but uh, did you, while well, you were at uh Minute Maid Park, did you have the opportunity to yell curses at Altuve? Or was he not there? Uh, he was not there. Actually, no, he was there. Um, he was there to accept the All-MLB Team Award. Um, but I was on the White Sox foul line. So, you know, it, my, my voice doesn't travel that well. So I don't know if you would have heard me. <laughs> Might not be a great idea to, like, scream at him. Uh, sitting next to my friend who was in a Yankees polo, probably the worst idea. I could yeah, because, yeah. well, hey, he'd probably be the one that got his ass kicked. You know, not as much hostility towards him as I thought there was going to be. Hmm. One one um, boo and one fuck the Yankees, and that was it. Well, the Yankees aren't the ones that cheated, so I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah, yeah the Astros yeah, we... are persona non grata in, in New York, but – it's because they fucking cheated. Yeah, we yeah it's we also were. stupid. The first game or the second game, we got some fuck Altuve chance, and they're playing the Giants. Like, come on. Like, that's dumb. Yeah, we were saying that if it was it was flipped, if he was wearing an Astros polo in, in New York, he might not leave his life. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I they, think took away, they took away a World Series. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and they also took away an MVP for our captain. I think I'm more pissed about that. Yeah. Well, actually, no, because then his price would have went up. <laughs> Very true. Then might he? Then he? He might have been a giant. He could have. Could have been fair. arson. Very fair. Um, just a quick sort of business thing that's related to sports. Uh, apparently, Jeff Bezos is in on the Commanders right now. So yeah, I hear like everyone's in on the commanders. I hear Shaq. I hear RG three. Well, that's I what we hear. hear. We hear like, we've heard a bunch of this stuff cycle in, but now Bezos is, he is apparently like all in. He's, he might pay $6 billion for the commanders. But how does that work with the Amazon deal now? Yeah. Is that a conflict of interest with the, with the streaming? So because – so reading in from Fox Business here, so say what you will about the source, but mm-hmm. he apparently – so he's no longer the CEO, obviously. He's no longer running the day-to-day operations. He's apparently far enough removed from the situation that he, there's no conflict of interest. I mm-hmm. bet you he'll get sued. He'll probably get challenged on it. Mm-hmm. Probably a case he wins. So how does that work with like a sale like this? Is it just highest bidder wins? So let's look here. So Snyder 
buys the team in 99 for 800 million. Mm -hmm. He goes to his advisors now and says, and they come up with it and they throw the number out and say like, whoever, whoever gets to this 6 billion is going to win because that's what we valued it as and blah, blah, blah. So the short answer is, is probably whoever gets closest to that number wins. Is it a forced sale at this point? It is like, a, are you saying it's like, a, is it official or? No, is, no, is like, Snyder out regardless? Like Snyder's out regardless? It sounds like or he's out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, is it like the uh, Clippers situation where like they had to sell? It doesn't seem, because didn't the, NH or the NFL conclude the investigation already and they sanctioned him and did whatever they did? That's what I thought happened over there. Well, we have, I kind of, I kind of, Forgot about the whole situation, to be honest, because yeah. all was over. Um, yeah, I, I tuned it out too. So, so he had, so he had a lot of shit actually. Like it, it goes far past the, the stuff in 2020. But we'll start there. So 2020 is the sexual harassment stuff. Like Washington Post leaks that article. 40 women went on record and they said, Hey, this guy was like sexually harassing and discriminating us and like other people in the team too. So that, so that's fun. Um, they're, so they do the probe and stuff. And I don't even think there was like a resolution to that. They they gave a report that said like he has misleading answers, he has all this stuff. So I don't know, maybe that contributed to it. And then apparently in 2021, he underreported ticket sales to the NFL and on his tax return. So <laughs> fraud question mark? Like literally. Um federal grand jury issued a subpoena for a cache of documents related to the team's finances two months ago. So Short answer is I think he is getting the fuck out before some really bad stuff happens. Well, I mean, I remember the whole Gruden incident with like all the emails that were sent back and forth, and that's why the Raiders canned him. Yeah, um, didn't uh, didn't Gruden call what did Gruden call Goodell? He called him like a, a a bitch or something. It was a bunch of different stuff. He like was racist, he was derogatory towards women, he was bad to the league. Um, but also like Snyder just ruined that team and the legacy of, you know, the franchise, like disrespecting Sean Taylor with like the mannequin instead of a statue and screw. So, um, you know what Goodell said, or you know what Gruden said that like was actually, I'm not trying to underplay like how serious the nature of his emails were, but Gruden did call Goodell a clueless anti-football pussy, which I think is <laughs> That is objectively hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> What's Gruden up to? Is he just chilling? I don't think he's doing much. He's sitting on his fat wad of cash. He feels like he's, I feel like he's got a little doomsday prepper in him. He's probably doing something like that. Yeah. Like what are like what do guys like him and Rex Ryan do afterward? I mean, Rex Ryan's on TV now, but yeah, Rex Ryan just like, gives shit takes. Yeah. I feel like guys like that who are just like so like when you think of like. 2000s football you think of them they gotta be like sitting on tons of money or they're absolutely broke that's that's true i mean we talked yeah. to marcus ogden about that um I'm, I'm reading through the rest of gruden's comments and i 
let's just publicly disavow the rest of what he said because it was not good. <laughs> he said some bad shit about Demora Smith, like really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Rams, like about Michael Sam. You guys get where that's going. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not good. So he deserved, let's be very clear, he deserved his punishments. But yeah, I mean, one thing's for sure. It sounds like Dan Snyder's getting pushed out before bad shit happens. James, mm-hmm. we were just going over, while you were getting your bottle opener, all of the mm-hmm. allegations against him. It started with sexual harassment. It started with, or then, and all the other stuff, um, underreporting ticket sales and taxes and all that shit. And so yeah. he's getting pushed out. So yeah. bottom line is, I don't know. Like it's probably a good investment for Jeff Bezos at this point because six billion dollars is just chump change. Yeah, but you know, it begs the question of like how involved is he going to get? So we'll see. Yeah, sounds yeah, like could be, that could be really interesting with him. Yeah, they might move locations. Like they might build a new stadium outside <clears throat> of Landover. That and I don't, I don't know if the the commander's name lasts. I don't know if a new ownership might just want to once again make it anew and you know go with something um, objectively cooler than the Commanders. I hope. You think they move away from it that quickly? I do. Yeah, especially. Yeah, there's no like connection to it right now. Yeah, and the only connection is to Dan Snyder, and you you want to move away from that. That's true. I mean, like they missed out on like so many like great opportunities, like. You know, they could have made references to like the Tuskegee Airmen. They yeah. could have done the Red Wolves, which is like the 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 areas like native species. They could have done they, anything, anything, yeah. and like the commanders. And then, like, I love the thing about the commanders when they were like, "There is a I forgot like the full group on it." Zimmer, you might have to pull this up, but they were identifying their mascot, and it was between like a wolf or like the pig. And, like, there was a group that was, like, if you use the pig, we have copyright infringement and, like, we'll sue your ass. And the commanders were, like, okay, sat on it for a month and then still use the pig and then are going through the lawsuit. <laughs> it's, like, what are you doing? So that's, that's, just, that's just Snyder's team, you know? That's, yeah, he's, he's just the best. So... Snyder's only apparently there were reports that there was bad blood between Bezos and Snyder for some reason. I I don't know. And I don't really care. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But apparently the, the latest reports here are that Bezos and Snyder's teams have been in contact and there's some mutual interest. So, okay. And it's like, no shit. If Bezos is going to pay $6 billion, the stat here is, if that goes through, Dan Snyder's got a 650% return during his time owning the franchise. Yeah. And you compare it to the market, if he just put all his money in the market, it'd be around 220%. So that's triple the amount he would have got by just owning this football team, being a total jackass to everybody, mm-hmm. probably committing fraud, it sounds like. <laughs> Among other and now things. He's tripled the market. Yeah. That, that is absolutely insane. Some things, some things. He paid like a bit, like less than a billion dollars for this franchise, and now it's going to be worth six. That's where it's like, you know, we're starting to see franchises get sold. Like the Broncos obviously made their deal, the Commanders. And these are teams that are like, yes, there's legacy behind it, but they haven't been good in a while. Imagine if a team like, I mean, the Yankees will never be that staying in the family, but. You know, a franchise like that, um, 
Well, I mean, the Lakers might be because I think the bus family is kind of broke. Like they, Cowboys. Cowboys. Anything. Cowboys. Like that's yeah. got to be like 10 billion plus. I think the Patriots just from sheer like name reputation of the crafts yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at all their assets. They have Gillette Stadium. They own all this other shit. They He's own like, like most saying, of the Patriot place. You're saying the commanders are worth $6 billion. They're not on the like the top Forbes top ten franchise, and like, I mean that that's more than like Real Madrid and Bar- uh, Barcelona. Yeah, those are what probably four and a half. I let's I'll I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Forbes most valuable sports teams. So this was for this past year, and we will go to. The Cowboys are number one at eight billion. Oh, geez. Okay. The Patriots are six point four. They're the Rams are six wow. two. The Yankees are six. The Giants are six. The New York Giants. Mm-hmm. The Knicks are five point eight. The Bears are five point eight. The Warriors are five point six. Yeah, I mean they do have the Commanders as five point six. That's crazy. Huh. But but you are right though because. Coming down the list, uh, we'll just go down a couple quick more. 5.6 for 5.5 for the Lakers, 5.4 for the Jets, 5.2 for the 49ers. Real Madrid's 13th at 5.1 billion. Okay. Sandwiched in between the Raiders at 5.1 and Barcelona at five. That's crazy. I mean, you think you think about the mediocrity that the commanders have been since the 90s, and they're more than the two most valuable soccer teams the the most popular sport in the world that's insane it's so yeah 1999 750 million from the snyders a five-year change of 81 percent. i mean the most crazy one right now is um i'm just looking at like recent growth the warriors in mm-hmm. 2010 were bought for 450 million wow and now it's 5.6 billion wow that's well, this, one's, wait, this one's funny from the McCaskey family. The Chicago Bears were purchased in 1920. You know for how much? One million. <laughs> Zimmer? Two, 200,000. say 650K. $100. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how the American Indians bought Manhattan for like 65 cents. Yeah. One hundred dollars for the Chicago Bears. What the fuck? A hundred dollars? Like, obviously, you know they always say like if you can time travel, you don't want to like mess things up. Like, I I'm coming in in 1920 and going to Chicago and being like, here's 200, (laughs) and just seeing where the world takes me, right? Because like that's something where it's it's crazy. There'd be no Chicago Bears in 2023. Two Chris Benjamins, if if Benjamin Franklin was even on the hundred dollar bill. Yeah, but like if you put two Chris Benjamins down, like you'd be on living on the street. Who's Chris Benjamin? Crisp. (laughs) (laughs) It's like who the hell is Chris Benjamin? Yeah, put a Chris Benjamin down. A Chris, a it's two individual crispy. There we go. Okay. Yeah, but to know that we're about to make my my great great grandkids are going to be billionaires. I guess you just live at Soldier Field for a couple years. 
you figure it out. You, yeah, you figure it out. Or then I'm you're like, no, I'm going to pay the guys less. No, I don't know. I'm not. I'm going back and, and planting to my great grandfather. Hey, go to Chicago on this day. Here's two hundred dollars. See what you can buy. Go to this address and say, I would like to purchase the Chicago Bears. Why? Don't worry about it. Just do it. <laughs> Even 101. 101. Some things. What could have been. And maybe that would have been, uh, maybe Big Cat would have owned the Chicago Bears. Maybe. Maybe. There's still time for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's that was a solid business conversation uh, mm. for Bezos. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We started this show in 2020 talking about Jeff Bezos and lo and behold, we're three years later talking all about full circle, man. Yep. Still talking about Jeff Bezos. Um, and now let's get to our interview with Chris Dowling. This is a really cool conversation. Uh, the chief revenue officer at Ohanify, a former golf pro now turned uh, businessman, all things, uh, helping breweries become more profitable. I think it's pretty cool stuff. A timely conversation about the masters incoming as well. Um, and of course a plug, uh, you can make all your masters wagers on the DraftKings Sportsbook using code BBB to get up to $200 in bonus bets. When you place a $5 bet on anything, please play responsibly. Let's go to Chris Dowling. Here he is. All right, everybody with us this week and happy Masters Week. So perfect timing. We have Chris Dowling, the co-founder and chief revenue officer of Ohanify, which is the only craft beverage operating system built on the world's number one platform, Salesforce, to help craft beverage business make money, save money, and save time. He's also a PGA pro golfer, the youngest to ever become a certified pro golfer for the PGA. So Two of our favorite things for Master Week, beer and golf. So, Chris, welcome to the show, and uh, how's everything going? Hey, it's going great. I appreciate you guys giving me your time. Big fan of the show. Have a chance to bring on some great guests, so honored that I somehow made it onto this slate. But, yeah, excited to uh, just have an open dialogue and get to know you guys better. Absolutely. Hey, we're happy to have you, and, uh, yeah, let's dive right in. So, New York native, I hope you're a Yankees fan. I am a Met fan, unfortunately. I, I know. Right, well, that's our show. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah. I, I picked, <laughs> but, I picked uh, teams that like to high grad. And um, you know, when was the first time you picked up a golf club, and when did you know that this was a potential career option? Yeah, my story is a little bit different. Where I never touched a golf club until I was 16. On my 16th birthday, my mom woke me up and said, "All right, happy birthday, but you're going to get a job." So I, uh, I got pulled out of bed. We went and just started like going and applying to some local businesses in my hometown of Red Hook and of which one of them was a golf course. They needed someone to go out to the parking lot, pull the bag out of someone's car and just greet them and say, all right, enjoy your round. So that turned into free playing privileges that then turned into, all right, I'll give this thing a shot. I thought it was a sport just for old people, but yeah, if I get to play for free, I might as well go swing. Instant addicts just became super duper engulfed in it to then to your point there's a school in new york called suny delhi that allows you to go for professional golf management went to that school loved it and then from then just grew my golf career for about a full decade 
So you also participated in the PGA of America's education program, which was news to me. I didn't know that existed. Um, explain to the listeners what this is, you know, like the steps that you need to go through it and check the boxes. And, and also, how'd you do this while, while still in school? Is that made for somebody that's, that's going through school or, or tell us more? Yeah, it's a great question because it's, it's its own program to kind of try to weed out those that aren't going to take this industry serious. So there are colleges throughout the country that are accredited through the PGA. So when you start college and upon graduating, as long as you pass a playing ability test, you become a certified member. For those that aren't, like SUNY Delhi is not, you then have to do the book work and everything separately. So what that entails is there's four stages. The first one's a qualifying level. You have to play 36 holes of golf and shoot a certain score. If you end up qualifying, then you can enter into the program. That is books, tests. You have to actually like pass a bunch of stuff to then do what is level one, two, and three. Each of those levels requires you to fly down to Florida. You spend five days of like eight hours of classes and coursework. You then leave Florida with months work of, worth of just homework assignments, filming yourself, teaching golf lessons, et cetera. And then ultimately you take tests. If you pass the test, then you get to bump to the next level. So they try to say that if you go to an accredited school, you can knock it out in the four and a half years. If you try to do it on your own, it typically, I think they say is about eight years. I decided to do it starting as a freshman at SUNY Delhi, and then making it a goal to finish by the time I graduated SUNY Delhi to finish it. So when I went to go to my first job, I was a PGA member. So four years and you also had to do your, you know, your, your coursework yeah. at college as well. So what was the, uh, the secret behind it? I mean, between like, how was it, was it someone, was it difficult for you or was it something that you had a passion for, you know, golf as a whole, that it was just easy work that, you know, you hit the books, you hit the courses, you did both simultaneously and four years flew by. It was a lot of work. And I think, it actually was pretty motivating that my school got behind me being the first person to try to do them in unison. So while, yeah, it was tons of extra homework and I didn't get to go out and celebrate as a college student on most nights, like some others do, but uh, it was nice to have like the school recognize it. And then actually like I've gone back and spoke about that type of experience and how it helped me land some solid jobs in the industry. So it was a grind, but it ended up being fully worth it. Right on. Right on. So um, after school, I mean, you were a golf pro at a few stops. Was there a specific one that, you know, has a special place in your heart or do you have a, a memory at one of these places that, you know, just shines above another? Like, tell us that, you know, your post-college yeah. experience. So I think the post-college, I really spent all the time at one country club. It's in Long Island. It's called Sea Wayne. Great membership, great people got a chance to meet some awesome celebrities along the way just because it's pretty exclusive why that that one is special in my heart is I spent almost five full years there so they took the chance on me being so fresh out of college and gave me the opportunity of which I grew from third assistant to first assistant and was able to teach a ton so I'd also say like I've every other place I've worked at like I used to work for um, at the time, he was the vice president of the PGA of America, but then became the president at Malone. His name's Derek Sprague. Phenomenal person, great mentor. I'm spoiled where every other stop I had along the way, I had great people to work with and just continue to help me grow in that golf career. So you obviously had to have been a pretty pretty decent to good player uh, for <laughs> to advance the way you did. So in your golfing career, 
what are the greatest couple of moments? Maybe it was a hole. Did, for, did you have a hole in one or no? I do. I do. Yeah. Um, was where, what, tell us everything. First of all, <laughs> where, where was it? Was, what was the club you used? Do you sell the ball? All that good stuff. Uh, so I do have that. Yeah. It was, it was actually um, playing around just in, while I was at college, we played at a place in Rome and we ended up, I just hit a good shot. Club wise, I probably should remember this. It might've been like a, a nine iron or something and still have the ball, everything like that. But greatest golf accomplishments. I wouldn't say it's necessarily even like tournament related because I, I actually always had the more of a passion in teaching it. So that's what my, I became certified in another thing called TPI. So figuring out what your body's best physical capabilities could be and maximizing your swing based on that. So my favorite accomplishment, accomplishments I would say is when I actually taught somebody and then it actually like yielded great results for their game. So it was always fulfilling. It, it happened dozens and dozens of times, but that was always my favorite memories. And what is like, is there a course that is special to your heart? I mean, obviously maybe some of the ones that you played at college or, you know, along the stops, but, is, or is there a course that coolest experience you've ever been to? I mean, I've, I'm spoiled. I've played some great places. Like I played in a tournament at Pebble, Pebble Beach once. So that was awesome. I've played some of the super private courses in Long Island, like National Golf Links of America. That's what the painting is behind me. Like that's probably my favorite course ever, but the most near and dear to my heart. And it's, it's actually like, I, I now I say, it's funny. I always wanted to go from a name tag to a bag tag. So I wanted to go from being someone that worked at a golf course to someone that joined a golf course. And the one in my hometown that gave me the first ever job is where I now belong because I moved back home. Uh, that's probably most near and dear to my heart. It's not anything super fancy. It's in good shape, but it's it's somewhere that is just, I know every blade of grass on that property and I always want it to be that way. Love that. It's incredible. It's incredible stuff. Um, for, how was your Pebble experience? I mean, was it, <laughs> was it like, where, where, when you got there was, I can only imagine because if I like I if I played there, I'd be like, this is surreal. This is not happening right now. I'm not playing at Pebble yeah. Beach. Like, did you have some of those experiences as a golf guy growing up? Yeah, I mean, it was I even got like the most nerdy, fanciest experience because it was a tournament that was put on by Cleveland Shrixons, Exio, big companies. But they gave you like I was able to go into a tour van and actually have them like build clubs if I wanted and things like that, which was just like next level, like can't ever pay a price on that but the crazy part was the day the one day that i played at pebble they had said it was the hardest it rained in like over a decade so the course got smoked with snow but the only three holes that it did not rain on me were six seven eight which are actually like going their most like scenic holes so i had a beautiful experience on like the big three but the rest of it i was just getting poured on <laughs> and no free ads but what's your 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 brand of choice for clubs so in my career, I was sponsored by Nike, then TaylorMade, and finally Cle or, uh, Callaway. So I still have the set of clubs that I actually finished off with with Callaway. To me, they were my, my favorite. Before then, I've used Titleist. I've hit tricks on. Like, I think they're all great. Um, at a certain point, like, the technology is now so good that everybody is just able to use, like, essentially the same equipment as long as it just looks aesthetically the same to you or it's pleasing. But my, I'll, I'll say Callaway because they were the last sponsor I was with. Keeping the door open just in case you uh, get back into the ring. Okay, Come that's back. fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about this transition into the business world. Um, you know, in your mind, 
obviously golf was at the forefront, but when did you decide that, you know, you wanted to dip your toes into something, um, you know, outside the uh, links? Yeah, it, it was, honestly, it was hard for me having like, in my gut, I always thought I was going to just be golf professional, stay at a country club until literally I retired one day at like 70. And like, that's the game you can play until that age. It's awesome. I'll just be in that industry. Then as I started working in Long Island at that fancy country club, I got to meet some, meet some great people, learn about their own experiences, creating their own companies. Maybe they just had their own ventures and endeavors that in my gut. And while I even went to SUNY Delhi, I entered into like entrepreneurship competitions. So I've always wanted to be at a startup in some capacity. I then started to lean towards that's probably the more of the path I want to actually have my real career towards. So in my final year at Seaway and at that country club, I decided to make the transfer because I just wanted to take the chance on myself and build my own business or at least learn from other startups of what that would be like, because I knew if it didn't work well, then I probably could still go back to golf. And at least I wouldn't regret what it would have been like. So that's how I decided to make the transition is I always had in my, in my belly, the entrepreneurship spirit, and I wanted to finally go pursue it in some fashion. So incomes Envire, uh, sort of your, one of your first endeavors, a mobile gaming app that taught users how to invest in the stock market. Um, and actually really cool concept because from what we understand, you know, running simulations and stuff and saying, okay, you know, I, I could have done this differently. I could have, you know, or, or wow, I did this really well. So, so in your eyes, what worked from that venture and, and what didn't, and what were some of the lessons you took away? Yeah. So that venture was really, really interesting. It was the first one I ever tried on my own. So I wanted to see like, can I actually handle this and all the stress and putting something together on my own, but um, to your point, my goal was that you guys being in the in New England area, you probably know of a company called DraftKings. So my goal was to make essentially DraftKings for investing for the stock market, let people pick on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, gamble against each other and see whoever picks the best stocks, they get paid out. It was awesome. It actually had a ton of traction until big, big no-no for me when I was starting up that business. I didn't do enough research into SEC requirements and guidelines and actually making sure it was legal. So that was, I mean, in a way embarrassing. It's like a, a small little hurdle, right? Small hurdle. I did, I mean, I did do what I thought was a good amount of research, but at that point, I just, I was still so junior to trying to start my own business. I made mistakes. So I lost, I lost a good amount of money trying to make that, but the amount of experience I learned from creating my own business, I like to always give credit to that made it to where I'm actually at today. So it was awesome. It was a cool concept. At one point I had thousands of people actually logging on every day, which was cool, but I had to shut it down because of the requirements by law. And there was no chance of resurrecting, like there was no workaround around the law. At that point, I was so crushed that yeah. it was it was going to cost six figures to get the right types of like legal counsel and everything in place to help me get on track. And then, so what I did do is I transitioned the application to be 100% free, no monetary payments, just like let people go and learn. And then I had some coursework and things that they could go learn how to invest in stocks, but once the money got pulled out of it, people didn't really take it as, as serious. Damn. But, you know, all roads lead to something. So that brought you to your next venture. So we have Ohanify. Um, I guess, you know, give us the e-pitch on what this, you know, business is. We talked about it briefly in the beginning. And tell us that aha moment of why you started this all. 
Yeah. So it's, it's a great question and it's something that I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm able to be a part of it. I, to my point of when I tried to do a venture on my own, you learn the mistakes, you have to take all the pressure on your own. This is one that working with some previous colleagues at another venture, we actually all came together and realized that there was this need in this industry, craft beverage as a whole, specifically breweries, that when it comes time to, they know how to use technology to place orders for raw materials and they make these great recipes to make awesome tasting beer, but there's a huge disconnect to being able to actually sell it. So you can make it, pour it out of a tap room, that's easy, but if you're gonna go bring it to restaurants or sell it through distributors, that was very challenging. And there wasn't a platform that did it all in one spot. So my experience at a previous company working with a platform called Salesforce, that's the world's number, C, number one CRM. We knew that we could take Salesforce with our relationships at their company, establish a partnership that would allow us to then bring that same powerful technology to craft beverage businesses like breweries. So we always say, if we want to be known for one word, like there's, always, there's the philosophy of a one word pitch. Like if I said search, you might think of Google. We want the one word for us to be known as is profit and profitability because you finally can track that as a brewery when we put costs with sales. Was there a specific brewery that sort of sparked this idea or maybe was it in your ears about like, hey, this is a pain in the ass for us to, to do this? Like, how, how did that all go down? Yeah, so one of our founders went to high school with a brewery owner. So the brewery owner had shared so many pain points and flaws in what is like, the one vendor that had a pretty good monopoly of this entire industry. So they just shared like, it has to be better. Like, I don't know why I don't know what I'm supposed to be selling or why do I fear that I'm going to run out of business every single month. So they shared, shared their pain, they shared their fears, which then allowed us to then solution it with our tech knowledge of, okay, this could be way better. Let's put together a platform that's going to make these businesses grow. And at this point we're approaching 50 customers just in selling it for like six months. And every single one of our customers is more profitable and selling the most that they ever have. So what would you identify as like the biggest issues for craft breweries? Um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear it from your perspective, because it's like we, we've talked to, you know, dozens of craft brewers and everyone has a different answer. And yeah. you know, we kind of understand it from like the like our media side and the consumer side of like what works and doesn't work. But from your perspective as you know, someone trying to solve this, what do you identify those biggest issues for craft breweries? It's probably just insights into their reports and, and any kind of analytic to grow the business the right way. The big word I would say is margins. So sometimes they know what the cost of goods sold is to create 60 barrels of an awesome hazy IPA, but then they don't have in real time the ability of seeing what they charge it for if they put it in a uh, half barrel of, of, of a keg or if they put it into cans that they're going to go out. So the real-time insight into, all right, if I make it here and it tastes the great way that it always does, this is the best option for me to go ahead and actually sell it for the best profit. That's the big disconnect. So brewers that actually are taking their businesses very serious, this is a business, it's not just a hobby. They're looking for technology to guide them on being more profitable. That's exactly why we built this. Was so the 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 decision to have this live on Salesforce was that an easy one for you guys because they're the the world leader, right? It's a nation or it's the world's leading CRM. Or was there more to that logic of hey, let's go host this on Salesforce as opposed to anything else? Yeah, it's to me, it's it's no question that 
I do in my gut believe Salesforce in the next decade will be as common as Microsoft Word for businesses. So they just, it's, it's apples and oranges when you compare the platforms against other things like SAP, Oracle, et cetera, because those other ones require you to have a coding knowledge and like really, really nerding out and putting a ton of scripts versus clicks and just dragging and making certain objects and fields. So the reason we've had the success we have at this point, I highly give credit towards the platform we chose to build on because we can go so fast. And that also means when our great customers say, this would be an awesome idea, or on this page, can we add this? We can do it in minutes instead of it taking months. And that's another segue to the success that you have had, right? So are, are there any really cool wins or any any big successes that stick out that you can share with us of like, yes, you know, this customer did, maybe they improved their profitability by a ton. Yeah. Or maybe there's just a really cool story out there. One of my favorites. And like, if you think to the, the earliest days of our product, it was in its, in its most elementary form every single month, it's getting better because we have updates. But in the first month that our first customer went live, their revenue went up 202% in the first month just from having technology that helped them see where to sell better. So to me, that's one of my more passionate and favorite stories is because it was that quick of a reality check for us that this is gonna work and let's just put and double down all of our efforts on it. So how do you come in and start implementing this software to a brewery? So, you know, yeah. I, you know, Jake and I are Brewery A, we, we purchase your platform. What is done to help improve our everything? You know, what's amazing is, so that's another differentiator for us. If you were to go by anyone else, they're going to say, okay, you can put your data in here, but I'm just going to give you a spreadsheet on how to fill it out and good luck. We have our own team. And that's another one of our founding team members is the one that says, all right, your brewery is awesome. You have all these recipes, all these batch history, your customers, all your price lists, et cetera. Tell us what you want. All you have to do is just say what the heck it is that you want and our team does this entire migration for you so we don't we know that change can be super duper scary for people if you're going to make it hard then they're going to be way more resistant and at times they've been burned in the past trying to jump around softwares we make that by all means not the case and i always say like go ahead and look at our reviews because they're raving about the fact that we are serious when we say just tell us what you want and we go ahead and put everything in so with every really good success story, there's also the the challenges, right? There's the there's probably growing pains. There's probably things you had to work out, areas you had to pivot. What were some of those challenges that you faced? Uh, how'd you overcome them? And maybe even still to this point? Yeah, I would say at this point, one of the bigger challenges, and it's one of our like, our advisors actually says this and, and to quote him, he always goes, your biggest challenges are going to be just dealing with the pain points that your previous competitors put into the space. So when I say things like we do the data migration, people are like, that sounds great, but I don't believe you because we've been lied to in the past or any other thing like, Oh, you say you're going to listen to my product feedback, but I was told that and that hasn't happened at that other vendor. So that's big, definitely a big objection is just as we grow and our brand becomes more recognizable and trusted, they will actually take it serious that what we say is the truth versus having lied to and, and not actually being sold the right way. So fairly new endeavor, fairly new business. You mentioned, you know, um, you're still a growing customer list. What are the goals for you this year? And what are the goals the next two to five years? 
Yeah, goals this year is as we're growing, it's just to always make sure it's smart growth. We purposely have have actually told people like pause. We, we're not looking to bring on others until we make sure once we hit the 20 is the customer that all 20 were going to be happy and successful. So we're going to continue to grow strategically to make sure customer success is always the highest priority. Ideally, that means that by the end of the year, we might have close to 100 total breweries. If it's not the case, that's fine too. We're just trying to find the right type of forward-thinking brewery owners or teams that want to grow but have been limited in how fast they can actually grow because of the technology they're using today. So before we talk about the masters, how can people, if brewery owners are listening to this and saying, hey, I want, I want to talk, I want to get involved, I want to figure out if this works for my brewery, where do they start? What do they do? How do they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so you can always hit me up on my email is chris at ohanify.com or go to www.ohanify.com. We have chat forms or all the content you probably need to see to make sure this is something you want to do. But even if it's someone that's not necessarily trying to switch today, I just love having more and more conversations with hardworking entrepreneurs. So if there's ways they want to just pick my brain on things that could be better with what their current tech stack is, I'm always happy to chat. And so what's the on. inspiration behind the name? Ohanify is, so Ohana is family and in the Salesforce ecosystem, they actually call all of their customers, the Ohana. So we playing on Salesforce's part, but honestly, the, the biggest reason is that this industry, one of my favorite things is they don't look at competitors as competitors. They call them peers. It is one big happy family. So Ohana is family, Phi is to become, we're becoming a big family and allowing everyone to start using this best technology together. Love that. I totally forgot that Salesforce like Salesforce like coined Ohana. That's their that's their thing. It's kind of nuts. I didn't put that. That and Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say Lilo, Lilo started it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. But cool, simple enough. Um, let's let's talk to Masters. I mean, this is God. I can't remember the last time we had this many storylines in the masters right now i mean you have the the good versus bad guys the live versus yeah. pga right you have tiger going for another jacket after he he got to sunday last year basically on one leg you have scotty scheffler going for the first repeat since tiger did it in the early 2000s i mean what what else sticks out to you chris this weekend like this, this has to be so cool as someone that's played those big tournaments before yeah i think the I mean, and I don't know if you guys saw the full swing Netflix documentary. Like that was cool to get both sides of the good versus evil parts of live versus PGA tour. I think it's always interesting when they're playing in the same tournament to see how they react to each other. It's, it's like ex-girlfriend versus ex-boyfriend, like just not avoiding each other and, and making it messy. But I think the biggest one for me, and I hope it is the truth this week is that I think Rory's going to win. And I think he's, he has the right mindset. I saw that he actually flew in, I believe uh, Bob Rotella, who's like a big golf philosophy, keeps your brain clear. So it would be my hope that he finally completes his career grand slam and actually gets this one checked off. Cause personally, I've never actually had the time, to, the, the chance to speak with him, but everybody I know in the industry that does know him says he's such a great person and I'm rooting for him to actually win it. And it's crazy, you know, what happens on Magnolia Lane? It's like you have all these storylines and some random person is going to come in 80 to one and just capture it all. Right. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the live tour as a whole? I'm not necessarily against the fact that if you wanted to just like, this is their, their career and this is their business. So if you 
wanted to put your essentially reputation on the line to go make more money, who am I to say that you can't go ahead and do that to make more money for yourself? I think parts of it are cool where it's more informal of like wear shorts, have a good time. Like that is probably great for the game of golf. Who funds it all is, is a whole other like conspiracy. But to me, I don't have anything against like some of my favorite players of all time are still on that tour. Like DJ to me will always be one of my favorites. So I don't have a problem with tour existing. I think that the bad blood between the two eventually will be fizzled out. So is there, so your pick is Rory, obviously, but are there any guys that you think could come out of the woodwork that are like way down the list this week? I, one of my, my favorites right now is Cameron Young, probably a big reason being he grew up playing like 45 minutes away from my hometown here at Sleepy Hollow. And I've had the chance to meet not him, but his father, because when I was in the Met section of the PGA, that's that club was part of it. So I think that would be awesome for him and his, I guess this is his second year on tour officially. Plus it's funny, like he's sponsored by the MLB. So you see the big MLB patch on his shoulder, but uh, that would be a cool one and maybe more of an underdog. While yes, he played well at the open last year. Like he still is probably an underdog in most people's eyes. I think I'm, I'm just personally so on the Kevin Na train. Like oh, yeah. he's finished top 15 the past three times. So it's a, that's one that I don't know. History repeats itself. We could uh, Kevin Knock could shock a lot of people this week. He's funny too. Like he's, yeah, I have I have Patrick Cantley, fourth fourth best golfer in the world, and he's not getting a lot of love. And I think his odds are at like plus twenty two hundred. So that's good too. That's yeah. a good one. That's that's it seems awfully high for him, right? You know, because he's he's been he's been playing well these past couple of years. I I'll say about Patrick Cantley. I saw him break the uh, the amateur record at. Um, at the Travelers Championship in like 2012 or 13. And oh, I'm like, that guy's going to be good. That guy's <laughs> going to be real good. And here we are. Yeah. My goal is just, I hate when it's sometimes it's just the runaway. And on Sunday, it's not as exciting because someone just has the five shot lead. So I, my goal is just keep it tight. And if some of those names we've talked about are at least battling against each other, that's going to be awesome. In your eyes, Chris, does it feel like, because the perception I get, is that somehow after even after all these wins over the past year and a half or so, Scotty Scheffler is not getting the respect he deserves. Like, yeah, right. Like he's he's been incredibly dominant and still in a way is like I don't want to call him an underdog, but he's definitely underrated. So like I, it amazes me. Maybe it's just the fact his swing isn't as natural as others. Is people like oh they don't take it serious, but he's awesome and what he's doing is incredible. And I also saw like. Like always on Instagram and things, videos pop up of like him and Tiger having their own like sessions and working on stuff together, which is cool. It's nuts. And do you think having watched full swing too, do you think Kepka's done or do you think he might have a few good finishes left in him? I'll never count him out. Like he, yeah. I think the only thing, it's not even his swing and yeah, he had some tough stuff, but if he gets back to the mentality, why it was so strong in majors is like, it was almost like, this doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just going to go out there and hit the ball and I don't practice, whatever. So, like, he, if he just gets back to that, then, yeah, like, that's the right mindset to go ahead and just be dominant. Yeah, I mean, I'm still counting on, like, Phil to win something else, right? I just, yeah. like, keep seeing his name, and I'm like, I, I think he's got one more in him. I don't know. Yeah. But that's a tough one, though, because Phil, like, he's limping into this thing, man. He might not He might not make it to Friday, let alone Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> or, excuse me, let alone Saturday, I mean. Just let the old timers use the cards. Yeah. 
<laughs> but have you had a chance to look at the um, master's menu? Oh, yeah. I mean, how, how cheap that is. I actually considered this was the first year you could order that stuff to your house, right? Did you guys see that where you could get like this master's experience or whatever they called it and have like the pimento cheese sandwiches in your living room? So I thought, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool and unique and it still is always a great price point. So for like 20 bucks, what would be your perfect menu? I mean, I might just do 10 pimento cheese sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, this is this is beer's business, right? So I'd say three beers, which is like 15 of the 20, and then a pimento cheese sandwich and a cookie or something. <laughs> that's that's perfect. That is literally 20 on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, people see that, but then also don't realize how expensive it is to get to the masters. So it's like, I think they can chill on the food prices. Yeah, that, by the way, is also one of my biggest regrets that it's a fact you might not know. As a PGA member, you get tickets to all four majors every year. I never actually went. Damn. All those years. So something that maybe one day I'll get there. Have to make I it. think the, first of all, let me just say the chicken biscuit did not get enough love. It's like less than, <laughs> what is it? It's $2, right? So I'd be getting there early doing a breakfast sandwich later a chicken biscuit and a pimento cheese sandwich and then spend the rest on beer i think i'm right with you you're still like only halfway done yeah <laughs> exactly yeah but spend the rest on beer until you're done maybe get a water mix in water people let's let's pipe down um and you, you have a fun have day at the masters have you heard what like the shopping experience is there too like how insane it's like its own mall of their pro shop i bet i mean i i went to uh the U.S. Open when I was at Shinnecock, and nice. like that was like a scaled down version, but I mean, still, it was like all these pop up tents with like yeah. all the, yeah, it was crazy. So I can only imagine what they have down in Augusta. Yeah, it's like it's its own building, and then they'll also like just have you upon purchasing. I think it's free upon per purchasing. They allow you to go ahead and ship it to your house, so they have like a FedEx facility out of their pro shop, so you don't even have to worry about carrying it. That's awesome, man. Golf is cool. Augusta is cool. The Masters are cool. Hopefully we get to all experience it one day, right? Yep. So, I mean, that's our show. We appreciate you coming on, Chris. Uh, where can our listeners find a little bit more about Ohanify, find more about you? Uh, floor is yours. Um, I know you dropped your email, so if you wanted to share it once more time. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And it's awesome getting a chance to meet you guys. By the way, my wife went to Providence, so like I'm, I'm very familiar with the area. Go Friars. Sorry about Coach Cooley. Screw Ed Cooley, man. Uh, <laughs> and I'll actually be at this, this summer is her five-year anniversary for, or uh, reunion, so I'm actually going to be up there in about a month and a half, but where you can find us again email is chris at ohanify.com would love to talk to anybody that wants to learn some more on social we have ohanify o-h-a-n-a-f-y is the handle for instagram uh twitter tiktok everything you need appreciate you taking the time chris go friars uh we i would say let's play around a golf with you but we don't want to embarrass ourselves so <laughs> we'll grab a beer instead we'll grab a beer yes. instead we'll do that. Let's, let's do both i love it perfect awesome and that was just Chris Dowling, Ohanify, pro golfer, uh, great talk, some great masters talk. It, actually, we hit everything, beers, business, and balls, all <laughs> on one interview. Um, and we have Clubfoot Gym for another 40 minutes. So if you're still interested and still listening, 
keep uh keep playing along but we appreciate chris for the time and uh you know go check out ohanify they have some really great stuff and you know these this new technology in the craft beer scene is pretty cool to see so um we appreciate him having him on and yeah hope you enjoyed the interview and now we head into our ball segment presented by DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the boston celtics we are officially live in Massachusetts, so don't bet with some out-of-town sportsbook. Bet local with DraftKings, the sportsbook born and raised right here in Massachusetts. For a limited time now, customers who sign up with the code BBB will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet $5 or more on anything. Uh, DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more. So download the DraftKings sportsbook now. Use the code BBB and get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code BBB, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Visit GameSenseMA.com. 21 plus, physically present in Massachusetts. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Pre-launch offers participant voids. Terms at DraftKings.com slash MA. Off the balls we go. Um... Okay, college basketball's over. It is over, and the Connecticut Huskies have won their fifth national title since 1999. That is an absurd statement, let me just say for the record. That is incredible. Congratulations to the UConn Huskies. Let's get it out. Is UConn a uh, a blue blood? See, I I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to bring that up because... By definition, would they not be a new blood? I think the lines blur, but like without much analysis, they're a blue blood. I really do think they are. I think it's just a term of endearment given to the best programs in college basketball. Um, I thought it was like the original endearment. It is, but the lines are very fuzzy and the sport really took off in 1985 when they expanded the tournament. That's the... That's the era that we've seen the most growth of college basketball and the most uh, viewership. I'm calling him a fucking blue blood, man. So why wasn't Villanova a blue blood? I think you could call him one. Not as not nearly. I I respect I respect UConn's dynasty run, and I think it's incredible. I think when UConn's good, it's good for the sport. It's good for the Big East now that they're back. I think they're just new blood because it's new money. I don't know. Here's my hot take. I don't think that it matters. It doesn't. I mean, we're now we sound like loser big J journalism talking about college basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I want to hear the escapades about Clubfoot Gym in Houston. I know. All right. You got to take us first. All right. You got to answer the question first, though, is you kind of blue blood? Um, no, because I, I tend to agree with Will that it, that it's a historic thing, that that it's about these you know historic programs that sort of c- cemented their history in college basketball, and you know that's where the term blue blood kind of comes from. And I, I don't know if I like the term new blood either. I'm just you know I just uh, I'm outnumbered. No. I'll, I'll respect the majority. No, I will. All right, so. Take us through. You had boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. You get up at the ass crack of dawn. Yep. 
on when's it start? Saturday he went down. Saturday up at right. Saturday. 4 you get on the plane. Take us through. Take us through your journey. Yeah, um, get up at four a.m. And actually, um, beforehand, we should add you are a UConn alum. This is I'm a, a very UConn big alum, deal. class of twenty twenty. This is um, personal connection for you. Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, my first time seeing this team really be good since I have been there and have since graduated. Um, I, I was talking about this day a lot uh, this past weekend of in 2016, when they opened up at home in Gamble against Wagner, we were ranked, we were number 24 in the nation. Um, the vibes were great immaculate. Um, I, I remember I even, I even said, it feels like 2014 in here. Um, and then we lost a home opener to Wagner, I think 11 points. Um, oh. and since then it was all downhill and, uh, it, it just, it just, it was a tough time to be a Huskies fan when I was going to UConn, but, um, you know, things are different now, but yeah. So I'm up at four in the morning. Um, my girlfriend was nice enough to drive me down to LaGuardia and then, uh, she had morning coaching. So she hopped on over to that. Um, flight was at eight 30. I sat, I had my well-deserved morning beer, um, sat next to a couple other UConn alums, uh, like local one guy actually worked in my town. It was pretty cool and caught up a little bit. Um, got to Houston at around 1130. Kind of was stranded at the airport for a little bit. Eventually took an Uber over to my hotel. Hung out there for a while, napped. Went into the city around five o'clock. So right before the start of the San Diego State Board Atlantic game. Um, wandered around the stadium for a little bit during the majority of that game. Found myself in the San Diego State fan section with one minute left and was in the chaos when uh, Lamont Butler hit that mid-range to win the game. Oh, and it was seeing the San Diego State fans. This wasn't the student section. This was just, you know, fan like alumni and, you know, people coming from all over. There were people crying. There was just screams and shouts. It was incredible to see. And just being like neutral in that situation, I thought was really, really cool. Um, and then it was then it was UConn's time. Uh, I went to where I bought my seats, which was section 619, um, basically in the Astronome next door. Uh, almost had a panic attack from being so high up. So went back down and finagled my way into section 138. Um, around a bunch of Miami fans, but that was fine because they lost. Um, and yeah, Saturday was busy. I'd never been more tired in my life, but it was, oh, that was the start of what would be a great weekend. Um, questions for you. Did you fly yeah. spirit? Did you, did I did fly, fly spirit. I flew spirit. I flew spirit and it was one of the flights I've ever been on. <laughs> That's the right answer. Yeah. Um, rate your experience with spirit airlines one to 10. Um, five, you know, it was as, as mediocre as a flight could be, but not really negative in any sort of way, you know, spirit definitely has that reputation, but nothing bad or inconvenient was going on during the flight. So I'll give the, you know, just a normal average five. Okay. Okay. And your NRG rating. NRG is a nice stadium, man. Energy was real cool. That's like seven or eight. That's up there. Um, How many people were at the game? Uh, I believe the final had 72,000. Holy crap. Yeah. 
they they really i mean i could see why they, they exclusively do these final fours at football stadiums so they can just sell the shit out of tickets and have seventy-two thousand people watch a basketball game um, I know because I remember a couple weeks ago, I think it was like a Spurs Warriors game. They mm-hmm. had it like the uh, Alamo Dome. Yeah, and it was like, uh, the most people ever at an NBA game. But I mean, again, if you're in the if you're in the in the in the nosebleeds, you are you're you are seeing ants. Yeah, yeah it is there. scary. Um, oh my god, yeah, that was that was that was a tough twenty minutes for me going going up the stairs, seeing that view, and then going down the stairs. Uh, but yeah, you know, got got a better seat, so I was thankful for that. That you know, security really didn't give give two shits about where anybody sat. So, so does like UConn do like a parade? UConn will be doing a parade in stores. Uh, I'm not sure what day it is, but I was under the impression to be in Hartford, but they're doing it right right on the campus, right in stores. So that'll be pretty cool. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it up, but um, it's pretty cool for the students and everybody around. What day is that? I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to look that up really quick. Um, I'd love to do some man on the street, but if it's Easter, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be Easter. Yeah, it is. The parade will be at, it does not tell me what day. It's telling me it's at 1130 a.m. Tomorrow. <laughs> I doubt it. I don't know. This, this is a research for another time, but. Yeah, it's sometime this weekend, probably, or tomorrow, or the next day. I don't know, but did you check Twitter? No, I have not checked Twitter. Oh, it's uh, it's Saturday in downtown Hartford. Oh, so whoever told me it was in stores lied, maybe. Maybe they're doing another one in stores. I don't know. And then the first reply is: Will there be adequate police presence? Will light poles be greased and windows boarded up? And <laughs> somebody said cry. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good old Twitter. Uh, someone asked for $2 Miller lights as well. Okay. That's big. That's big. I don't know. Ed Cooley might not like that. So that's true. Sorry, Ed. Well, he doesn't have to like it. Yeah. It's not fucking allowed there. Um, in English season. Um, all right. So you, you're watching the game first. By the way, that Wagner game, you were right. They lost by nine. Uh, is Dan Hurley's accent fake? I don't think so. I don't because it it comes out in in the most like authentic of moments, so I don't think it is. What like his Jersey New York whatever? Yeah, his yeah. whatever hybrid tri-state area accent is. Philly. Okay. <laughs> Continue your story. Yeah, don't talk about Philly. God, so yeah, that but I was looking at Ken Palm. That Wagner game was sixty-seven fifty-eight. That's fucking embarrassing. To it Wagner. was. Come yeah, on, dude. one of the worst days of my life. That was uh, – Ramon Saunders dropped 15 points and Jalen Adams dropped nine. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they were good. They had Amita Brima who only scored four – he was the tallest guy in the court. He only scored four fucking points that game. He was a – he was he just could not man up anybody. Oh, so bad. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, so UConn plays Miami. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty – I mean, they steamrolled them. Let's get real. Uh, final score was 72-59. That was the closest game that they had all tournament, which is just insane. I mean, did you have – did you walk in there like there's no way they're going to lose this game, or were you concerned? Uh, I think I was outwardly concerned. 
I wasn't that confident, but I think there was a voice in me deep down that was like, it's it's impossible for them to lose. Like just the way they've been playing, it, it, like I don't. It just it, it was. It's a feeling I can't even describe the way I was watching UConn play this entire tournament. Um, because you know we we did have the lowest of lows in January, where we I think lost three games in a row. We lost on a real close one at home to Seton Hall, or was it St. John's? One of those games, but it sucked. We lost another close one to St. Seton Hall, um, and. All of a sudden, we, we we saw the team we saw in November, in December, when we steamrolled Alabama, the number one team in the country, when we steamrolled Oregon, when we um, just, you know, went on that run in the Phil Knight tournament. Um, it's, you know, the games would get close. Like, even San Diego State got us to five, but there was never, like, a moment where, yeah, we're actually going to lose the lead here. Never had that feeling deep down. And it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's basketball I'll never be able to – that will rarely probably rarely be seen again. I, you probably weren't close enough to Sonogo to, to like appreciate how big he was, but, mm-hmm. but it just looked like he was playing with little boys. Like he, oh, he, he, he sunned everybody he was, out there. Yeah. The way he was dominating the paint. Like, was that, did you guys look at that? We're like, Holy shit. Like this guy's a freak athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, his footwork underneath is is impeccable. Um, it's, you know, I mean, some of the best I've seen ever in person. Obviously, I mean, I haven't been to a ton of basketball games, but it's, yeah, watching him play, um, most outstanding player wasn't enough for, for him, the way he performed this tournament. Um, and taking into the Ramadan. The, yeah, the fasting, fact that he wasn't crazy. fucking eating or drinking incredible. Incredible. while the sun was out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he was he was on another level. level. Um, the two I probably had the most fun watching was Jordan Hawkins and Alex Caraman. Their, their three point shooting was just lights out. It was so cool to see. Um, Caraman, I said, is the reincarnation of Kevin Love, even though he's still alive somewhere. He is the, the reincarnation. Um, yeah, Jordan Hawkins, pro- probably top 20 pick, I'd say, in this, in this upcoming draft. Very excited to see the career he's going to have. Um, yeah, it was. It's just unbelievable to watch, man. Just again, hard to put into words what was what I was witnessing. I don't get how Hurley finds these guys. Like Caravan, just some random six eight dude, like born in two thousand two that that can shoot. Mm-hmm. It's from back ass like Greater Boston. Yeah, yeah, he was one of those last guys I think we picked up too. It was just kind of yeah, like, he's just hey, so you want to play? Good. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and then to find um, Klingon from Connecticut of all places, from Bristol, is just like yeah, you're seven two, and he was he was important in this run as well. I mean, when Sonogo had to take time off, obviously, you know, probably some exhaustion going on with with the fasting. He was stalwart there um, in the paint. You know, he he's been an awesome addition all year, and he will. I think he will stay, but he could be a fun second round pick for, for somebody who can, you know, to develop a seven, two guy. Um, but yeah, this, this team just had something special going on. Like you said, Dan Hurley can just find these guys that um, are just special. Do you think Klingon's gone? You think he's definitely gone? I don't think Klingon's gone. I think Hawkins is definitely gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Jackson said he's going to stay, which is great. 
he's just he's the the senior guard that this team is going to need. Um, Hawkins gone. Worried about Sonogo. Worried to see what he will do. I think he um, should. If I were him, I would ride it out and go to the NBA. You know, yeah. Else, if for a guy like him, like where else would you go? Well, I don't would think you- he's. Let me, I, I don't think he'd leave UConn. I just think he'd. It's. It, I think he'd leave to go try to get drafted. I don't yeah. think he's ready yet. Yeah, he might not be. That's the thing. But then but, again, though, like, do you leave when the iron's hot? Because it's yeah. like you literally just had one of the best tournament runs in recent history. Yeah, his, his draft like, stock will probably never be higher. Um, the thing is, he's kind of capped by his height. He's 6'9", which is, you know, tall, but that's not centered NBA tall. Um, and he, he's – the way he plays is predominantly center-like. So it, he can pull up threes though, which we, which we saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I wish he wouldn't sometimes, but um. well, he's got no business doing it, but he, can. no, no. Um, he gets a three ball. I mean, the NBA will come knocking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a stretch, stretch four. who knows, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I'd love to keep a lot of these guys together, but I'm never going to, be upset over somebody wanting to go get their money, you know? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Five years ago, was, and even before that, was like, all right, I'm riding the hot hand. I just want a national title. I'm going to go get paid and mm-hmm. go to the NBA draft. Now he has to weigh out how much money he's going to make NIL mm-hmm. at UConn. Well, he can't. Sonogo can't. Why? Because he's international. He's, he's an international. Oh, that's only – Wow. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. International so, players. I forgot where. I don't know. I don't think it was UConn. Did they play at one of the islands this year or no? Yeah. Did we? It was at MTE at the beginning of the year that they played um, Alabama and Oregon in, right? That was where at the Phil Knight. Oh shit! Was that, yeah, that was not... at the Phil Knight? Yeah, that was yeah. in uh, Eugene. Oh wow! I guess they weren't in the islands. They were in the island of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, there yeah, was Portland, a, there yeah. was a tournament down there that had a I forgot the team, but a player was international, and they set up mm. like a whole NIL convention down there for opportunities so he can mm. make money because he can't make it in the states. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's um, so Sonogo. Like, well, that's what if he leaves, it's because of the money that he can yeah. earn at the NBA. Because right now he can't collect anything. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous stuff. That's stupid. It's because it's a, it's a education visa, not a work visa. Oh wow! It's still stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Well, I guess that makes his decision much easier. Yeah, or harder. Does it or make harder. it harder? I mean, why wouldn't you want to stay? It's keep, it keep keeping the team to get. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you you look at the. I don't know, just the opportunity to win. But like I said, I'm not going to, you know, knock somebody for wanting to go make money. So if he yeah. does leave, I understand the decision, and he's going to be a great professional. And yeah. Um. So Sunday, you went to an aquarium. Yeah, yeah, I went to the Houston downtown aquarium. Um, it was wonderful. It was lovely. Uh, got in there, and you know, they took you through the little the weaving sections of of fish, and then we had some amphibians. Some reptiles, saw some snakes, poison dart frogs were really cool. And then they had a tiger exhibit, which 
shocked me at an aquarium. But they had two tigers. They were fun. Um, and then you think, okay, the aquarium's over. No, there's an amusement park in the back of the aquarium. Oh, that's pretty so, scary. yeah, me and my buddy went to that. They had a Ferris wheel. They had one of those things that goes up and then it drops you and it goes up again and it drops you. I don't know what you call those. Um, and then they had a little train ride and it took you through a 360 shark tunnel. So you can see all the oh, sharks swim scary. around you. Those are sweet. Um, it was a blast. You know, it was just some nice, good, wholesome fun. Um, then went to the Astros game and saw them lose to the White Sox. So, um, not a bad trip, my man. Not, not at all, trip. man. I made sure to just stay busy, see as much as I could because Houston is a tough place to see everything because it is so spread out. Everything is 30 minutes away from everything. Have you guys ever seen that picture where um, they show Connecticut and how it's the size of the greater Houston area? I always thought that that was just like made up and like a meme to like trick people. That is true. That is to scale. It's insane. Yeah. I think I've seen that. That's hours and hours and hours of driving. Yeah. Yeah. I made real good friends with my Ubers. <laughs> Damn. Um, and then Monday night, obviously mm -hmm. that's a championship game. UConn yeah. takes it home. Mm -hmm. Talk about being worried. Like, you couldn't have been worried at that like walking in there. Right? I I mean, of course I was worried because what if they do lose? You don't you don't know. I mean, uh, everybody's saying there's no way they can lose or seven point favorites, but like crazier shits happen. I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson beats Purdue. You know, it's and San Diego State. State did, final four. I mean, it was a blowout for most of the game, but towards the end, San Diego State. I mean, they kept it within single digits at one point. Yeah, I um so I bought my ticket last minute because just price reasons and um I just wanted something better than section six hundred nineteen. So the ticket I bought ended up being primarily San Diego State territory. Um and I'm not somebody who seeks controversy, so I was very, you know, polite to to the Aztecs that were sitting next to me. Um but when they did cut it close and when they did have the early lead, it was like it sucked being around a bunch of, of enemy fans. It was not fun. Very worrying. That probably made the worrying worse was just being around a bunch of loud cheering fans who are cheering for the other team. Interesting. Um, did you get on the, did you get close to the court for the celebration or no? So I did on Saturday night. Um, I ran down there and got to, uh, I didn't high five any of the players, but we were close enough where if you stuck your hand out, they, they were able to reach up and high five. Um, on Monday night, I eventually walked over to where UConn Twitter kind of solidified themselves as like a section and got there and just watched the net ceremony and the trophy ceremony with the, with all the other UConn fans. Hmm. Yeah. Um, overall, would you do that again? Like let's say UConn goes back in two years. Do you go make that trip again? I would go to the Final Four again. I don't know if I would go to Houston again. I would go to the final four again. Well, yeah. Yeah. This isn't, you know, this is not indicative to the entire city of Houston, but we were talking to a guy at the Yukon bar before the game. He was telling us that the night before he got robbed at gunpoint. It's <laughs> nice. Yeah. He was like, it was at truck yard. And that was a bar that um, no escalators was like, everybody come here. Like you oh fans, we're going to go to truck yard. And he just went out to smoke a cigarette and a guy walks up to him and he goes, Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. 
pulls out a gun, takes six hundred dollars and his phone. Yeah. I was talking to one of my Uber drivers, Manuel. Shout out Manuel. Um, I asked him, is there something I should do in Houston before I leave that like, you know, I really have to do? Um, he didn't give me any suggestions. He just goes, Don't walk alone at night. So <laughs> yes. yeah, Houston might be a one time thing for me. Now that I'm thinking, I'm like, Phoenix is next year. Yeah. Like it was a missed opportunity having the trio of the waste management Super Bowl and March Madness all in the I know. Year. That would have been sick. Six weeks span. Yeah. Have you guys ever been down to Phoenix? It's it's wonderful. Old Scottsdale is is uh old Scottsdale no, a great place. Yeah. yeah. I want to go to the waste management open for sure. One day. One day. One day. One day. Then I can be like Joel Damon and take my shirt off on the sixteenth hole. <laughs> gotta watch full swing. I gotta watch full swing. I'm yeah, yeah you guys sold me on that today. Talking it's about fantastic. No, Full no, Swing is an absolutely great show. I, I that's like the number one sports show. Um, um, I'm I'm all I'm all in on it. I love Dude, golf that, now. Better than Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks got bad. Hard Knocks. I just never <laughs> got into Hard Knocks. Yeah. And then, Hard like, Knocks. I didn't watch the last two seasons in its entirety because I don't have HBO, and that, I just didn't a, like the really the teams. I know that's being it's very selfish, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, I know. No, I just like, don't like the, There was no better time. The last great season of Hard Knocks was with AB on the Raiders. Yeah, that was fun watching that whole. That was a good time. Um, but yeah, even before that, like the Browns one wasn't very interesting with Baker when they drafted him number one. Um, it just it's very good for an episode and a half. And then the script repeats itself over and over and over again. It's very almost lazy. Hmm. Yeah. I I feel. I feel. Yeah. I don't know. The full swing is just raw, un, unedited golf footage. It's fantastic. Cool. And Brooks Kepka swearing at people and nice. It's I like fun. That. Is there Max Homa on it? I uh he might be. He well, he's appeared in it. Yeah. I'm like halfway through. They highlight different golfers like throughout the show. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a homosexual, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah, a homosexual. I like it. <laughs> and you also like Max Homa. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, I'm done with the shenanigans. Yeah, we're done. We're done here. Um, yeah, but Houston probably not the Final Four. I would. I would drop a bag again absolutely that that's this trip ran me a pretty penny but i would do it again oh yeah that's talking uconn are we gonna dive into some mets yankees baseball or we want to end on a positive note uh, yeah i'd rather not but you know all right we'll just do a quick like what what's obviously the baseball season is the first month you're like baseball's back i'm excited no one gives a shit about may doesn't really pick up until the all-star break trade deadline. And then you're yeah. full swing ahead. So what is the not overreaction, but overreaction thoughts real quick. Uh, the Mets need to blow up their lineup and get younger with pitching. Um, not in a dump Scherzer in Verlander sense, but in like really sure up the back of that rotation. Cause with Carrasco, who just looks like a shell of what he's been the past two years. We need somebody else in the four or five 
you know, spot in the rotation to kind of bring things in for when Verlander and Scherzer are next up. Um, and the lineup just looks sort of dilapidated in, in, the, that, in the sense that it was, it is the same lineup as it was last year besides Narvaez. Um, they just need to spark somewhere. And I don't know if that's in AAA or if it's out somewhere else, but we'll see. Dream acquisition. It is a crime that CJ Crone is not a Met yet. CJ Crone for the DH role is is my my dream acquisition. He is a baller, man. He launches the baseball. That's like realistic. Yeah, my realist. Okay, maybe not dream then. My realistic wish list would be CJ Crone. He's like that'll probably happen because the Rockies are not. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't know if I could. If I have a, um, Shohei, Shohei is a dream oh, acquisition. Shohei Otani, a New York Met. Shohei Otani is a dream acquisition. I I am so curious what that contract's going to look like, and it is like, yeah, it it, it quite literally has to be a blank check, and it mm-hmm. has to be his decision. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, if you start like all of the big teams start bidding and stuff, and they're like, oh, we have a number that's capped off. You, like Shohei Otani from a business standpoint is going to bring you millions of views and yeah. hundreds of millions of merchandise because Japan is all in on him. Yeah. I mean, like the World Baseball Classic showed that this is a global sport and Japan is a deep pocket. Yeah, I mean that they, they. I think they care more about baseball than America ever ever will. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You, you just tell how much it means to them over there. It was on eighty percent of the televisions in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, shout out, shout out KFC for his great um, World Baseball Classic takes. <laughs> KFC stole our Met shirt one time. People forget. Yeah. Yeah. Forget. All right. I think that's our show. Yeah. No, no, no dream acquisition for the, uh, the Yankees. How are you, how are you feeling? You riding high, riding low? Um, good start. I think like, I think the bullpen is nails mm-hmm. and whatever Matt Blake does is, is great. I think Garrett Cole is on a Cy Young tear and I'm mm-hmm. very excited for when Radone and Severino come back. And I think it's, I think they're going to be very good on the pitching side. I mean, the way Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres are hitting the ball right now, you can't ask for a better thing. Yeah, Glaber's Volpe, having like a career resurgence. Yeah, he's – I mean, like, again, you have young guys creeping up, but people forget he's also young too. He's 24 years old, like, yeah. and he's a two-time All-Star. Like, let yeah. him, like, fans need to, like, pump the brakes. So, mm-hmm. I think ideally, you know, with this roster and everyone healthy, it's, it's Judge, Bader – Oswaldo, it's mm-hmm. standing at DH. It's Rizzo, Glaber, Volpe, and um, DJ with Trevino catching and any of your pitchers. Like Hicks yeah. needs to get off this team. Yeah. Um, you know, cry baby. I don't mind IKF. IKF is a guy that he's like he's knows his role. He's a very he's a much better third baseman and has adapted to the outfield and is a good spark plug off the bench. He's not a starter. He's a perfect complimentary piece. Mm-hmm. But Donaldson and Hicks have no role on this team. Yeah, Donaldson was going to be the next one. I say he has to kind of 
He's got to go. Yeah. Uh, like, but also, I'm not sure what the third baseman market's looking like. I mean, do you have somebody in AAA, or is there somebody you'd, you'd rather go out and get? Well, DJ can play third, and then yeah. so could Oswald yeah, Cabrera, and so could technically um, Oswald Peraza. Right, right. He's still so, around. Yeah. I mean, like an ideal third baseman. I don't know who's in the free agent market anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd ha- I'd have to look, but yeah, I don't think it's necessarily. Uh, they're they're torn with Oswald Peraza apparently. Like, yeah. what do they do with him now? You know, if yeah, he's kind of in a bit of a limbo. And it sucks because he started the ALCS. Mm-hmm. You know, but Volpe has already stolen four bags this season. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's obviously a new part to the rules and everything. Um, but I I'm think excited I for the more stolen. He'll have he'll have a role on this team eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if if Donaldson's hurt, he just pulled a hammy today. So. Mm. You know, have him come up and and make a name for himself to force Donaldson to be cut. You just got to get younger. And, like, that's what the Mets, too. Like, you know, Brett Batty and, uh, you know, the catching prospect Alvarez. Alvarez. And, you know, even Vientos, like, they have no business being in AAA. Yeah. And um, Alvarez is currently if, – if Narvaez is going to be on the bench for a while because he got hurt today, um, Alvarez is already on his way up. So, yeah. You got to give him a reason to not send you down. So let's do that now. So same with Brett Batty, you know. Oh yeah. God, Escobar's got to be on the on the quickest leash, the shortest leash. Uh, on hitting hundred, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, who's behind him, Luis Guillermo? Yeah, Gourmet, I mean, but yeah. Gourmet, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Luis yeah. Gourmet. Yeah, yeah. Escobar's gonna have a great finish to the season in Colorado when we trade him for CJ Crown. Hey, you guys got rid of Darren Ruff and traded James McCann. So anything's possible. Anything's possible. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a business for Stevie. Yeah. Which is, it's wild because like the Yankees get every prospect asked for, for like a medium average player. Mm-hmm. And like the Mets now have the richest owner and teams are like, yeah, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you my guy for, <laughs> for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And we'll take your shitty players. <laughs> Makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I guess we need a couple hundred years of baseball success to for it to, you know, get that Yankees treatment. Hey, you spend all that money all to be third place in your own division sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're looking better than the Phillies right now. Yeah, that makes me so happy. But, I mean, a lot of baseball left. A lot of baseball. It's, it's week one. Everybody's yeah, like, I know. Oh, I know. I know. But also – well, I think I think Frank's rubbing off on me. I think uh, I've started to buy into the Frank the Tank, um, whatever the opposite of hype is, uh, anti-hype train. I'm and, also uh, buying into that the season's way too damn long. You know, that's you might you might not be wrong. Hundred games, that's it. I think that might be too short. Somewhere in between. One twenty. I feel like that's still long. Mm. Uh, we could have a uh, what rules of baseball we change conversation another day. Yeah, I think the changes so far have been good. But... Yeah, I love the pitch clock. Yeah, and I, I love mean, the bigger bases. The Marlins shutting out the Twins in under two hours is crazy. Yeah, that's like some Mark Burley shit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I had I made a comment on Twitter the other day that kind of caught some flack, but from a, a fan watching at home experience, mm-hmm. great two yeah. hour baseball games. Awesome. 
as a fan going to a game and I'm spending a couple hundred bucks out after tickets, beer, food, parking, etc. Yeah. I think it kind of sucks. I'm less I mean, happy said, about like, it. I said, I was like, there's got to be some kind of like entertainment and stuff. And one Twitter troll was like, dude, like there's bobblehead day. Like obviously that like <laughs> change. And I'm like, yeah, that really, that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, bobblehead day really changes the time of a game. Like what? Yeah. That's like the Savannah bananas, like have under two hour games and a concert and people love it. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's a step in the right direction, at least. Maybe maybe Robin Manfred's good good first move. Yeah. First all good the, move. Yeah. All of the him, Goodell, Adam Silver starting to rub some people the wrong way. Yeah. 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 To be a Everybody's best friend, Adam Silver. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kyrie. <laughs> I love that meme. Anytime like in, across any league that a player is like bad, that yeah. name just comes up. Get ready to learn Chinese. And then like, what's his name? Trevor Bauer actually has to go learn Japanese. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a baseball storyline that was kind of overlooked a little bit. Him going to – where's he, the Shanghai Sharks? Uh, <laughs> oh, he's in Japan. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shanghai Sharks basketball, Jake. Come on. Um, Jimmer Fredette made to Shanghai Shanghai Sharks legit. Yeah. Yeah, he's a legend over there. He's with Yokohama Dana Bay Stars in the uh, NPB. Oh, everybody, Can you go to, like, everybody's favorite. Anybody we might know from there? Uh, probably. Let's see. Um, like another Rocket and Eagles are Tanaka's team. Yes. Uh, let's see. Um, Edwin Escobar. Oh shit! <laughs> Forgot about him. Yeah, former Boston Red Sox Edwin Escobar. <laughs> uh, who else? Anyone come through there? I'm trying to find like alumni. Neftali Soto. What the fuck? Neftali Soto. Remember Where him? Did, uh, Adam Jones play. He was Korea. Oh, he's Korea. He was KBO. I think he was Korea. Wait, I might be wrong on that. I don't know. I think it was Korea. Find out. Adam Jones. No, he was uh, the Oryx Buffaloes. Buffaloes. Okay, he was MPB. Okay. What happened to him? Is he done? He's got to be. Yeah, he he retired after uh, he after he got denied his club option in 2022. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Like the Oryx Buffaloes denied him. They're like, no, oh. yeah. not the Orioles. Yeah. Learn Korean, buddy. <laughs> Jump around. Get ready to learn Korean, buddy. Get ready to learn uh, Czech. Yeah. Czech's got a big, big baseball, this big baseball ball. Those guys right, really, actually, there's a, a fair amount of guys that have, like, that, like Raphael Betancourt played there. Okay. Um, yeah. For Yokohama. Um, who else? Uh, Brett Harper, who's that? Uh, I don't know. Bryce Harper's brother. Yeah. Ben Verlander, the worst, the worst brother in all. God, I got, I got to deal with that asshole. These next two seasons. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> got to deal with him, and then if Otani becomes a Met, oh my God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, hey, you know who played for them? Pat Mahomes. No Senior. shit. That's really cool. Probably in the nineties. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now Patrick Mahomes is playing Summers there. He was probably conceived in Japan. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's see these Arigato. here. No, he wasn't because it was ninety-seven and ninety-eight. That uh, so he oh so he probably you know spent a little time in Japan. Uh, he was born see. by then. Patrick two. Wait a sec. Yeah, he was born in ninety-five. Let's see. He uh, I bet you he did. Yeah. Wow. I learned something new today. Cool. Learned something new. Arigato. <laughs> I think that's our show. That's it. That's it. We're at the graveyard shift at this point. Thanks for anybody who uh, stayed on this long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, appreciate you guys having me as always. Number six. Number six. Hanging in the rafters. Just as good as the first. <laughs> well, more that Next time you come on, we'll get you the plaque. All right, cool. All right, oh, looking forward God. to it. That's the show, everybody. Clubfoot Jim, thank you. So long. Take it easy. Yes.